Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Nutrition, yoga, sleep, foam rolling, all of the little things that add up to something big. Running takes up a lot of our times as runners. We spend a lot of time just grinding out the miles. I know just running 30 to 40 miles a week can often take six plus hours a week, depending on how fast you are running those miles. That time alone is a huge commitment, and it can sometimes feel like a part-time job. Because, I mean, really, if you're thinking about it, when you're spending six hours a week running and then you have to add in all the extra shower time and time to get out the door and all of those things, you know, we're talking a 10 hour a week commitment there. And then when you start adding in foam rolling and stretching and yoga and nutrition, it can just be a lot on your plate as a runner. When we start to throw in all the recommendations like Nutrition, yoga, foam rolling, strength training, cross training, it can actually feel really overwhelming with all of those words and just the thought of how much time do we need to spend on all of those things every single week in addition to running for six hours, right? Um, There is just so much time. There's only so much time that we have as individuals to devote to this hobby and to our health in general. So we really just want to figure out how we can best allocate our time and you know, sometimes as athletes, it can be a little bit confusing as to like, what should we be spending most of our time on? And how do we, you know, frame up a week where we're able to dedicate time to become a well-rounded athlete and to not neglect any of these little things. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit today about how you can frame up a week and um, the benefits of all of the little things and how you can do it in a way that's manageable and in a way where you're feeling benefits from it and it's worth it to you. Um, Because all of the things that we mentioned, you know, like the sleep, foam rolling, nutrition, yoga, all those things have a time and a place and they all have benefits for runners. And so it's really important to figure out um, a schedule that works for you and figure out kind of what your needs are as an athlete and then create a schedule that has all the components that you need in there. And so we're just going to talk about kind of the trade-offs of everything and how you can, you know, kind of start adding these things in because this is the time of year where a lot of people are thinking about building these habits into their training block. And sometimes people just kind of reach a rut with their training where, you know, they're not seeing improvements or, you know, injury after injury, or you're just like flatline stagnation. Um, These little things, adding them in can be a huge game changer and can help you reach that next level of training and of being an athlete. Um, And sometimes we're afraid to try them because we think that it won't pay off in the future. But, you know, the quote saying, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to implement these changes. And I have with me today, Jason Phillippe, who is a coach here at Run for PRs. He has been running 
himself for 20 years, coaching for 10. Um, he worked with middle school, high school, college level athletes um, for a long time before transitioning full time into more of an online coach, um, working with marathoners, half marathoners, and all of the distances below um, more of the adult athletes now. So he has seen, you know, young kids have to implement these things into their training as well as adults. Um, and I definitely think it helps when you are someone who has to also implement these things into your own lifestyle and into your own training, because it's one thing to, you know, have the recommendations and to know what you should do on paper, but it's another thing to actually practice what you preach and really be able to implement these things into your own lifestyle um, to figure out, you know, kind of what do we really need to tweak and what's really important to, you know, me as an individual and helping athletes also establish what's really important to them because some athletes might thrive off of doing a lot of yoga um, in addition to their running, but other athletes, um, it's just, you know, they just don't like yoga, right? So they're not going to be spending um, lots of time doing that. But, you know, there are benefits to stretching and certain stretches that runners should do. And so kind of talking about the bare minimum and obviously the maximum that we should uh, see runners doing with all of these things. So Jason, um, great to have you with us today. And what do you think is the most important part of training when it comes to, you know, runners in terms of just all of the things that we have talked about in this intro. Yeah, um, this is an exciting topic because I know, you know, a lot of times as runners, like you mentioned, we only focus on the aspect of, of our training um, and getting out the door to log miles. And a lot of times we lack the, the small things like the stretching, the warm-ups, um, the strength training. Um, we don't always replenish within, you know, that 30 to 60 minute window like we should after a workout, um, you know, getting that, getting that healthy nutrition back in our bodies. So, um, yeah, it's definitely exciting to think about. And, you know, when, you, when I think about all the teams out there that I've been a part of in the past and I've witnessed a lot of successful teams, um, you know, they, the ones that are year after year competitive and they're going to national meet and state meets and stuff, they, the one thing they have in common is they do a lot of the little things well. And part of that evolves from just um, having a coach with a solid understanding for how to, how to de develop um, awareness around, you know, a strong foundation for these little things. So it starts with, you know, doing you know, doing foot drills and stuff like that before practice or stretching and, and team dynamic warmups. And then, um, having those, those tough discussions about, you know, mental training and nutrition and injury prevention and going to the training room and that sort of thing. And, you know, being coming recently from the college program, you know, we had, um, opportunities to utilize those facilities in the training room. And we'd tell our athletes, like we're, you know, we expect you to be, even though practice might end at four 30, you should be here till five, you know, at least doing the little things, um, you know, not only stretching, but it's just good for your mental, your physical, your social health to sort of um, wind down, I guess you could say, and do the little things that you need so that you can uh, be prepared for the next day. Yeah, it's really interesting how you're kind of talking about, um, you know, the high school, college teams that you saw and kind of what sets apart the super successful teams from kind of more of like the mediocre or maybe lower level um, performers. And what I think you're saying, um, we, we see all the time, right? Like, so it's all about the culture of the team. And I know, you know, we live in, um, in a school district that has a really, really good cross country program. And so we always see in the summer, these athletes, like middle school, very young kids out, 
you know, 7 a.m. doing runs. And that's just something I had never seen before living in other school districts. And it's just the culture of that team. Um, They do training in the off season. And that's something that they really value. I mean, there is not a day where you can go on a run in the morning in the summer and not see someone from this program. And so taking the off season seriously is a whole topic in and of itself, but that is kind of something that falls under this umbrella of doing all the little things, right? So what sets apart someone who is great versus someone who is just, you know, average, mediocre, um, maybe stagnant is all of those things adding up, right? So it's valuing the off season. It's valuing the recovery periods. It's uh, doing the preventative stuff like stretching, foam rolling, um, listening to your body, all of those things. And, you know, thinking back to when I was in college, I'm not sure if we had the same coaching staff, but I remember after um, the runs that we would do, uh, there would be like 10 minutes of ab work. And, you know, honestly, when you're in college and you're doing, you know, this cross country program, there's so many things that you have that you want to do outside of, you know, run. Like you have homework, you want to get back to your you know, dorm to finish up a paper, or you have to go to work. Um, but when we would come back from our run, everyone had to like stretch for five minutes, and then we did 10 minutes of abs. And it was just what we did. You had to do it. And you know, eventually, you can drag your feet all you want, but if the culture of everyone around you is doing that, and you're forced into that routine it actually really establishes how important that is and it makes you put that as a priority. And so I think just instilling those little habits every day can really make a big difference. Um, Is that something that you experienced when you ran on a team or kind of what were some of the rituals that you guys did that maybe even are still kind of to this day something you do? Yeah, I've been pretty fortunate to be a part of teams where, um, you know, we had such a wide range of ability levels, but also of like um, overall just motivation um, amongst the athletes. Like some kids were super motivated to train in the summer or go above and beyond. And, you know, they're the ones that are encouraging their teammates to do the abs after practice or to do a longer cool down, that sort of thing. Um, I've also been a part of some teams where that leadership sort of lacked. And, you know, as a young athlete, you kind of notice like, oh, this is where we, you know, we need to establish better leadership. And yeah, it stems from the coaches, the, the you know, the kids, the tradition. And um, I think the teams, yeah, that we talk about um, that are doing the little things, they're the ones that are successful year after year. You know, we think about other athletes in other sports, like basketball, for example, um, doing the little things in that sport that would, would entail like showing up before, staying late and shooting like an extra hundred shots, right? Or working on your free throws or working on your layups, like time and time again. Well, in running, ours you know, our little things, we can't, we can only run so much and have it be safe to us as far as staying healthy and, you know, accomplishing your workout and your weekly mileage. But those extra little things like the strength training, um, like the form drills, um, kind of the preventative maintenance drills, um, the, yeah, the foam rolling, you know, um, the nutrition aspect, those are going to be the things that kind of get us to the next level. And, you know, if you're, if you're a runner that's kind of been stagnant over the last few, you know, training cycles or years and you haven't really introduced anything new, I would highly recommend it because that could be just something that gives you that extra edge and 
um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you've really been lacking some for, form of like lower, lower leg, uh, strength training. Cause you, you just feel like you want to kind of save all your energy for the runs and you're not opposed to doing core strength and upper body strength, but you really want to conserve on that lower body strength. Well, I can tell you if you, um, you know, you're going to run marathons or something long like that, or hilly courses, you're probably not going to do as well as you could have you if you were to implement the strength training. So give it a shot, be consistent with it. I guarantee you're going to see the payoff. Um, that's just an example of one little thing you could start to do. Um, but yeah, I think the second thing that comes to mind when we think about training, you know, the number one thing coaches want athletes to do in the off season is, is just get out and run, right? That's how we're going to get better. The more time on our feet starts to improve our running economy, um, gives us a stronger aerobic foundation and cardiovascular endurance. Um, but I would say the second most important thing now is going to be when we talk about, um, recovery is sleep. Um, so obviously sleep, we know, is where our muscles get a chance to repair because we're getting those extra doses of human growth hormone. So, um, you know, for young athletes, it's recommended to sleep like nine or 10 hours if they can. Um, for adults, you're probably looking at seven or eight. I'm a person that likes eight or nine if I can get it. Um, I would say during periods where I'm not training, I can get away with an hour or less per night. Um, but when you are training, you should be shooting for an hour more than what you're used to getting. So if you're used to getting five or six, you're probably going to want to shoot for seven or eight. Yeah, that was a lot of information there. And I think, you know, touching on the sleep is super important, right? So sleep is probably going to be one of the top priorities. And too often I see people, um, you know, coming in with, they sleep five, six hours a night. And so that's the number one thing. It's like just getting to bed earlier and having that bedtime routine. It's not only going to help with your athletic performance, because obviously, like you talked about the benefits, um, human growth hormone that's released like at night, right? And recovery and repairs of muscle damage happens at night. And so a lot of people get really caught up in that trap of I got to do more, do more, do more. It's like that hustle culture, very popular in um, America. We really thrive on, you know, how much can we do? How much can we overwork our plate? But we have to remember that the growth formula is stress plus rest equals growth. So when we're talking about the rest portion, <clears throat> that's when sleep really comes into play because we're, we have these lives where it's like, go, 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 go. Um, and then you need to have the sleep to really counter out and balance that. Um, and there have been so many studies done about the benefits of sleep and really just looking into that and educating yourself on how important that is to reaching your potential and reaching the next level. I mean, not only in your running, but even in your career, um, people who are, you know, getting <clears throat> more sleep and having a better nighttime routine and morning routine <clears throat> typically tend to be a little bit more um, successful in the long run because they're more well rested and their body and their brain is able to function better. And so that's huge, um, getting the, the eight plus hours a night, like you said, even more when you're training more. Um, and that's a big thing when it comes to all of these factors, <clears throat> athletes either fall under one or two categories, right? So you're an athlete who has a lot of free time and you have a lot of time to dedicate to these things. Um, typically we don't see this too often, but sometimes we'll get athletes that come to us and they're very eager. Um, they want to do, you know, either high mileage or they want to do all the things like they will do anything you say. Um, they have unlimited time they say, right? So they have a lot of time and energy to devote to their training. And then there's the other camp of people who it's time is a limited resource, right? And I think more people can relate to that. Um, we all live very busy lives, right? And I think you can relate to that a lot, Jason, just 
going to grad school, being a teacher, um, and then having like a family, all of those things were on your plate at once at one point, And you still managed to, you know, train and find a schedule that worked for you. And so I think that's really relatable to a lot of people listening. Um, myself kind of included in that boat, you know, I worked a full-time job, 60 hours a week as an accountant, um, starting a business, just all of those things that are on your plate are additional stress. And you have to have enough time in the day to do these things. So when we talk about running, we're already saying, okay, that's six, 10 hours a week. Um, but then when you start adding all this other stuff, when you have a career, when you have a family, um, when you just are in grad school or whatever it may be, there's only so many hours in a day, right? And so I think people will just say, I don't have time to do anything else except for just the running. Um, and that's where we kind of start seeing a slippery slope of people who have like this excuse almost like, I don't have time or it's not important enough or just the list goes on and on. And I'm sure you can relate because you've probably gone through seasons like that. So when you have gone through those busy seasons in your life, um, did you cut down your mileage in order to keep some of these things? Or did you ever fall into the trap of making those excuses? And kind of what did you learn from your experience over the years um, managing all of the things? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, over the years, I've done done a lot of different things in terms of um, jobs and careers and coaching and different programs and stuff. So my schedule has changed quite a bit. I've had to make adjustments, um, you know, sacrifice maybe missing out on a fall race or a spring race season and that sort of thing. So you, you kind of plan out your schedule accordingly. And then your day to day schedule too. like you have to figure out, um, you prioritize your training, obviously. Um, but it may look different than what, than what is ideal for you in that, in that phase of your life. And that's okay. You kind of do with what you have. You'll set, still set goals that are going to be, um, you know, they may not be a PR, but it could just be, you know, making, making a certain time goal, for example. Um, cause obviously if we're still running, running's a cumulative sport and we know that we're going to go through certain phases in our life. And, um, if we're consistent, that's going to pay off in the long run. But, um, yeah, speaking of those times when we, you know, when, um, when we're super busy and I know for people with families, your, your schedule might look crazy with kids and stuff, especially really young kids when sleep patterns are very unpredictable. Um, the sleep has to be a priority. And sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice, um, your, your hobbies. Um, sometimes your family time or your, you know, your time with your significant other or spouse. Um, maybe it's watching TV. Maybe it's like your free time surfing the internet, playing video games, whatever it is. Um, you're going to have to sacrifice some of that for sleep. I still remember times where we would go to bed, uh, basically right after our, t- our little one went to bed, usually at like seven 30 and knowing that he probably will wake up once in the middle of the night. And then he'd be up again at like 5am for good. So we try to capitalize on, on that and get as much sleep as possible. Um, so that's kind of where I, you know, I shifted to becoming a morning runner and kind of quit running in the afternoon. So I'd have more time to, you know, be at home with family, uh, be, be around for dinner. And then we'd basically go to bed like right after, right after he did. So it's just a matter of, yeah, making running the priority, but sleep has to become number two and you may have to sacrifice um, your social life or other aspects for a while. Yeah, definitely really good points, especially like the whole social life that you're saying. And then just giving that example of, 
you know, going to bed at 7.30 and having a newborn and all those things. Um, just talking about different seasons of life, obviously. And I know like when you were in grad school, I, I'm pretty sure running kind of fell to the back burner um, during that time as well. And really, it's not that you weren't running or training or doing all these things. It's just that when you have so many other things going on, like you're in a busy season of your life, it's not a forever thing. So, you know, maybe you have a child under the age of two, right? Or you are in grad school or you're working multiple jobs, whatever it may be. Maybe it's time to kind of evaluate, like, am I in a season right now that's more of a temporary season? And then asking yourself, like, do I really want to add on marathon training or half marathon training to my plate during this time? Because I think like setting yourself up for success is really important because can you run a marathon with a newborn and being in grad school and like having all this stuff on your plate? Of course you can. But what we're saying is how do you want that experience to kind of be for you, right? Like, do you want to be stretched as thin as possible, um, feeling like you just don't have enough time for everything? Or would you rather kind of wait until you have a little bit more time to dedicate to those longer distance races and then really be able to be well-rounded while you're doing that? And so what I have learned over the years, um, you know, I ran a marathon five months postpartum um, without, you know, childcare while I was training. And it, it it was hard. And that was also while working. And it's just like, can you do it? Yes, but something's got to give. And so whether that's your mental health, whether that is your, you know, strength training, your yoga, um, your sleep, whatever it is, something's kind of, there's always a give and a take. So I think it's just really important to make sure you're setting goals that make sense for kind of the season that you're in, right? So if you're feeling really stressed out and busy, maybe it's not the best time to commit to a marathon training cycle because, Quite honestly, if you want to do it correctly and you want to have um, all these preventative things in there and not feel like you just don't have enough time to get it all done, um, it, it, it's basically like taking on a part-time job. And it's not to be said that you can't do it, but I think as a coach, it's important to kind of put out there that you know sometimes there are just seasons of our life that are better set up for doing these things versus others. Um, and there are a lot of other events within distance running that you can train for that are not as um, time consuming. So I like to look at maybe like college athletes, for example, who are training for the one mile 5k, Uh, their practices and their time commitment is actually going to be significantly less, in my opinion, than um, a marathon trainer, right? So you're taking someone who is in college who probably has more time to dedicate to training, but they they do not because they are um, doing shorter distance races. Whereas if you're marathon training, I mean, you could be out there an hour every day and then a three hour long run or two hour long run on the weekends, right? So that can get to be a lot. And then on top of that, adding in the year yoga, strength training, whatever, because the more miles that you run, really, you should be doing even more of these preventative things. So it's almost like as mileage goes up, all the preventative stuff also is going up. So I think marathon training is like the most time consuming time commitment thing out there because there's so much, you know, risk and so much stress on your body when you're doing all the training miles in and of itself that you don't, you can't neglect the little things at all. And if you want to do it correctly, you have to even dedicate more time to those little things like the strength training, PT, you know, seeing an ART person, Epsom salt baths, like all the little things become so much more important. Um, 
But yeah, there's so many different ways that you can frame up training. And it's just like some food for thought when we're talking about this to not, you know, overwhelm people who are like, wow, it just seems like I don't have time for any of these things. Um, So when we get to like the basics, right? Like what is really important outside of sleep? Obviously, we have to prioritize that. Um, Talk to me a little bit about nutrition. And do you see that as something that starts to slide as people rack on more miles, train for marathons? And is that something that should really be prioritized? And what are some ways that athletes can start to prioritize the nutrition aspect? Yeah, I think, you know, you, you, what you just said uh, kind of reminded me of the excuses I give myself uh, throughout the years of why maybe it's not the best time to run a marathon. And I tell myself like, well, you, got, you better be ready to commit all this extra time and effort and focus and energy that it's going to require. Because for me, I know that I need to pour more time and energy into the strength training, especially um, if I want to be running, you know, the higher mileage that it's going to require to train for that marathon. So, um, you know, I've kind of opted just I've opted to take a backseat and focus on the shorter stuff for a while um, until I can find a better balance in my life. And then maybe I'll tackle the marathon again. But I do notice that when you are training more, obviously, you know, you're your, um, your appetite is much higher as well. So you're going to want you're going to want to prepare for that and make sure that you're, um, you know, doing, doing all the little things from grocery shopping, probably twice a week. Cause we know that that produce doesn't last very long. And, um, if you're like me, I like to go to two different places because I have to get like the household items at one store and then all the groceries at the other and stuff. So, um, usually making like one or two trips a week to the grocery store, planning ahead, making lists of things that you really need. So you don't run, run low, um, stocking up like big time on things, um, that you might need, especially during like a big training block. Um, meal, meal planning is something that we found very helpful to, to do on Sundays, especially before a busy week is, you know, you'd maybe cut up all your vegetables for the week. You'd, you'd maybe make a bunch of rice so that you have that and you'd slice up a lot of like sweet potatoes, that sort of thing. And, um, maybe even plan out your dinners because a lot of times if you get home late or whatever, it's tough to think about what do you want to eat? It's easier if you have it on the calendar, especially if you have half a meal already kind of prepared in the fridge, you can just kind of throw it together. So I definitely think planning ahead is a huge thing that goes into um, the nutrition aspect that can take probably one to three hours every single week. Um, depending on, you know, how new you are to it and what, and depending too on like how picky you are with your nutrition, I can pretty much get away with eating a few of the same uh, food items most, most days. So I'm not super picky. Um, and as far as like a I'm pretty, I don't need a lot of like, you know, um, recipes. I can just throw together bland food and eat it and be okay with that. But some people like to have, you know, their sauces and stuff. So it's going to require more ingredients too. So, um, yeah, nutrition is definitely key and thinking about, um, feeling up uh, throughout your entire day too. Like, especially if you're a morning runner, you have to think about, um, you know, are you going to eat anything beforehand? What are you going to eat for breakfast? What are you going to eat? Um, those snacks throughout the day before your, before lunch and stuff. So, um, a lot of planning goes into it, um, but if you have a if you live with someone or your spouse or whatever, you have to kind of you know be have an agreement, communicate about things ahead of time so that you're not like looking at each other like what are we gonna have for dinner tonight? And then you know when the when that hanger kicks in when you're hungry and you're angry, um, sometimes it can be really really a hard thing to get over. And so it's best to um, have everything planned out ahead of time. Yes, and I love that we're talking about this nutrition topic because. Also, when you're running more miles, your hunger tends to increase. Like I have heard so many times people say stuff like, 
I always gain weight when, when marathon training, which has never happened to me personally, but I could definitely see how that's the case because it's like, you just are so hungry. And oftentimes when you don't make nutrition a priority and you're not planning ahead, like you were saying, meal prepping and plan, literally planning every single meal and every snack you're going to have. Um, because if you leave to go to work, um, or even if you're working from home, you need to have like a plan. Otherwise, sometimes you're just sitting there in the middle of working. And you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten in four hours or whatever. I am starving. And then it's like you just go into shove it, whatever I see in my face mode, right? And so that's kind of where it can get a slippery slope, right? So you you do have to kind of have some planning that, that comes into place here because if you're not planning out what you're fueling your body with and what you're putting in your body, then you're just going to end up eating whatever. And that's just really what it comes down to. Um, and then you're, you're falling victim to, to not having the best and the most optimal fuel for, you know, the events you're training for, because honestly, what you're putting in your body is what is fueling your body for all these runs. So you can only be as good as the the fuel that's going in the tank, right? Um, so nutrition is really important. And I know some people listening are like, huh, oh, like I eat frozen pizza every night, whatever. And that that's like, yeah, like some people can get away <laughs> with stuff like that. Maybe when you're younger, or maybe that's just kind of like how you like to eat or live your lifestyle. But um, the benefits that you would get from kind of switching over to more nutrition dense and um, focusing on like micronutrients and all those things will really make a huge difference in your training. So wherever your level is at right now, just think about like how much better of a performer you would be if you did focus more on the nutrition. So of course our bodies can run on, you know, garbage food and like pizza, but you're, you're kind of like limiting yourself, right? So it's, it's almost like if you were to wear, you know, work dress shoes for all of your your runs um could you do it I mean I guess you could but you, you have to ask the question like why would you do that when there's running shoes that are on the market specifically designed for runners right so it's um it's just really important to make that a priority because it really can kind of propel you to the next level um focusing on hydration all of those things um and I know some people just really just do not make this a uh priority for whatever reason it is. Um, my brother is probably one of them. I mean, the other, the other day we were talking to him and he said he went for like a 10 or 11 mile run without drinking water beforehand. And I just couldn't help but think, and he went at like 11 AM middle of the day, um, with no water, uh, at all. He, he didn't drink any water when he woke up, didn't have any water on the run. And I just couldn't help but think like, Oh my gosh, how can you even physically do that? Um, you like, if he actually fueled appropriately, like how much faster would he be? Or like how much better would his performance have been? So really important to keep that in mind. If you're someone who just doesn't care about nutrition, if you focused on it, I think you would see exponential gains in your training. So the next thing when we're talking about, you know, nutrition, all these things is strength training. And I know you kind of touched on that because you were saying, you know, I don't have time to commit to running a marathon because if I, you know, train and I increase my mileage, that means I also have to increase my strength training because of injury prevention reasons. Um, so what, tell me a little bit more about that and how often do you think that your athletes should be strength training and what are the benefits there? 
Yeah, and when, just to um, clarify, I could I could probably train for a marathon and do one, but if I really wanted to, you know, do well and train the way I want to train, it's definitely going to require more time, focus on um, injury prevention and strengthening. And when, for me, when I think about strength training, I'm not just thinking about, like, lifting weights in the gym. I'm, I'm thinking about, like, a lot of the preventative exercises that you can do, like, on a daily basis, you know, taking 10 minutes one day to strengthen the lower, le- the lower muscles in your l- lower legs. So you might do some, like, foot Achilles exercises, um, you might do some stuff on the on like, like a Bosu ball. Um, you maybe do some eccentric calf raises and stuff like that to strengthen all of those little muscles. Um, especially for me, I've kind of had a history of of calf problems, so that's that's what I'm talking about there. And then also maybe doing some like like you may do a day where you just focus on like hips um, and glutes, um, strengthening those areas. Um, but as far as like true strength training, where you're kind of doing full body stuff with weights, I would say you know starting with two days a week is a good number and. Um, maybe going to three if you can eventually, depending on, um, you know, what your training looks like and if you have races and all that sort of thing. But two days a week is a, a nice balance there just because that gives you time to recover in between. Um, you can still do some of those little types of maintenance um, forms of, of, of strength on those in-between days. And um, a lot of those you can, you can do on a daily basis. So um, you're not going to be overdoing it. And um, yeah, I mean, just when we think about the benefits of strength training, not only are we going to prevent injury, but um, overall it improves our running economy, which is going to make us a more efficient runner, um, stronger runner. It improves our balance, and um, you know, basically what it's what it's doing is training those muscles to um, recruit more of the the muscle, the motor units within the muscle to engage. So it's increasing our power. Um, so when we get tired during our run. Um, our, our muscles are going to find other ways to sustain us and keep us going for longer uh, periods of duration. Yeah, that's a really good point. There are so many benefits to strength training. It's often something that runners will put to the back burner um, just because, uh, you know, with running, it's a different type of sport than strength training, right? When you're out there running, you're you're breathing heavy, you're going, it's an aerobic event, you're, you're in the zone. Uh, when you go into the weight room for the first time, if you're just strictly a runner, you know, it's different, right? Like you're not out of breath. You're not winded. It can be a little bit more slow paced. Um, it feels different because you're using the muscles in different ways. And so I think a lot of times runners will get bored with it. Um, they don't see, they don't think they're seeing, um, the results or they lift once or twice and they're so sore from lifting that they can't complete their workout or they're, they're really sore for their run. And so there's a couple of things going on there. Um, and I love how you said that really all you need is two times a week, 20 to 30 minutes at a time. That in and of itself can do huge transformational changes that will make you a really strong, faster runner, all of those things. So really it's a 40 minute a week commitment. And so if I had anyone um, working with me who was, you know, saying, you know, I don't have time, I would just say, hey, we're going to knock off a little bit of mileage, like two to three miles a week. And then you're going to have time to strength train because that's how much um, importance strength training plays in a training cycle. Um, I think it's, it's critical, right? Because of all of the benefits that you listed, not only does it prevent injury, but it also helps with building muscle and making you stronger and stronger does make you faster down the road. So it's really important to be prioritizing the strength training. Um, and then if you're having issues, so let's say you're listening, you're like, that's great, but I always get really sore for my strength training. So just some tips and reminders for people, you should be doing your strength training 
on your hard workout days as a second workout of the day. So if you do your workout in the morning, your, you know, speed workout, whatever, then at lunch, at work or after work, you're going to do your lifting. And if you're not able to do that, then I would say, okay, then do it, you know, the next morning, Um, because you're going to want to have at least a one day in between your lifting and your next workout. So you really want to keep the hard days hard and the easy days easy. So you're going to have recovery days in between when you are lifting and doing your next hard workout. And so sometimes what will end up happening, right? So if you do your speed workout and your lifting on the same day and you have a easy five mile run the next day, you're going to feel really sore. Um, that's just how it's going to go. And so you might have to slow down. You might have to kind of pump the brakes a little bit more, but your body does adapt over time and running on sore legs. Um, there are benefits to it and it's just an active recovery. So just slow down. Um, and then just knowing that over time, it's not going to be as, as sore. So making sure you're doing the strength training on the right days so that you're not left, you know, it would be horrible to lift and then 12 hours later, wake up and go do a a running workout. Um, in that case, yeah, I could see why you don't want to strength train, but there's always ways to kind of make things, um, more sustainable. And we definitely have an entire podcast dedicated to strength training a while back. So take a peek at that. If you're curious, um, more about strength training. So another thing that kind of comes into play, obviously with strength training. And sometimes I get this question is, you know, I love yoga or I I do yoga, does that count as strength training? And then what are kind of like the benefits to yoga um, or stretching, if we want to call it that? Yeah, um, I I, thinking back to when I used to go to yoga with you a few years ago, um, I probably felt the best I've ever felt going into like a marathon training cycle. I know we did it leading up to Boston one year. Um, and it's one of those things like it, it's definitely not the same as strength training. So you can't, you can't just do that and say, you know, that's my strength. It doesn't replace it. It's, it's an additional thing. Um, you know, y- you can do it kind of any day, so it doesn't need to be, you know, thoughtfully inserted on this day or that day, but, um, it's kind of whenever it works into your schedule. I know a lot of people like to take classes, so sometimes they have to go when it fits into their schedule, but, um, yeah, it's obviously more of like just an active recovery thing while you're working on um, increasing um, range of motion, flexibility, balance, um, all those things and being in tune with your body. And I feel like, um, you know, if you're really able to prioritize that, I think it's, it's definitely going to help you feel stronger. Um, and, you know, when, when we talk about strength training, I want people to realize like you don't have to be at the gym for an hour or 90 minutes. Like our strength programs set up on the app that we use, a lot of times it's about nine or 10 lifts and you cycle through it and you're done in like 20 minutes. So um, that's kind of like my way of strength training. You basically are in and out. And if you got a quick 30 minute window, you can get it done and you feel accomplished. Granted, you're not really resting much in between the, the, the exercises. Um, so your heart rate's getting up a little high, but that's, that, may, that leaves you feeling accomplished and it's good to target, you know, maybe three or four specific like muscle groups. And that's kind of what we hope to do. And we want to make it convenient for you. Um, so that's, that's kind of my, my two cents on the strength. I personally, I love yoga. It's, it's a matter of just figuring out, um, I'm going to need to need to watch something in order to co- walk me through it. Cause I'll, I'll probably only be able to recall about like five or six different poses if I'm doing it on my own. Um, but I see you doing it all the time and it just, it's, um, there's something like that refreshing and, and sort of cleansing about it. And I feel like when, when I was doing it, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed it.
Yeah, I think, you know, you either fall under one or two categories of runners. You either love stretching because it like helps you, you know, release the muscle tension, all that stuff. Um, and you, you see the benefits and you just really like it. Or you just don't stretch at all. Like there's really not an in-between at all. Or, you know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, after my run, I'll try to touch my toes for like five seconds. <laughs> That's where I think most runners are at. So I think the biggest thing that you can do for this one, at least what has helped me, because I am someone that's like totally, I'm either all in or I'm not on the stretching just because it's it's really hard for me to get in the routine. Like I don't, I don't know. Um, and I do think going to those yoga classes, like the hour long stuff, if, if you're someone who's listened and you've done that, um, they can be really boring. I will admit that as someone who has taken hundreds of yoga classes, um, sometimes you're really in the zone and you're into it, but other times it's slow moving and there might be a couple of stretches that you really are digging, but you can't like sit in them all day because they're telling you to like move into all these different poses. And then you're kind of like, what? I just really wanted to like sit in this one pose for a second. Or you get halfway through the class and you're like, all right, I'm kind of like stretched out. I'm done. (laughs) And you have to keep going. Right. Or they're like having you do all this stuff that you don't necessarily want to do or see a benefit in. Um, And that's why I think sometimes going to the classes, unless you have like a ton of time to commit to that and you like doing that, um, maybe not the best. Uh, One thing that I have found useful is just if you have any sore spots. So for me, I'm always like the hip flexors, glutes, um, you know, low back, those sort of things tend to get pretty sore on me. Pretty typical of runners. Sometimes they get, you know, tight calves, whatever it may be. The beauty of the internet is you can just search Google, you know, hip yoga YouTube. Boom, you have like 20 videos that pop up. Just open one up and start looking at kind of some of the poses that they're doing and commit to 10 minutes of stretching and call it yoga, right? So do like the five, 10 poses that feel really good for you and just hold them each for 30 seconds on each leg. And then boom, like 10 minutes is up. Five minutes is up. Just start with like a really small commitment because when I started getting really into it about a year ago, um, I just said, okay, before bed, I'm just going to have this like routine where I do like a little bit of stretching um, and that really helped placing it right before bed because it was kind of like I wanted it to be a relaxing exercise, right? So some people do meditation or whatever or reading a book. I was like, I'm going to do this yoga to see if it helps me kind of relax and unwind before bed. And it's really good to place the habit um, before another, you know, part of your routine. So maybe you do it right before you brush your teeth at night, whatever. If you just commit five minutes, um, that's all you really have to start with is I'm going to stretch for five minutes before bed um, and do that like every day. Eventually, after, you know, a month, you're going to like crave it. Like you're going to be like, oh, I have to stretch. And then it turns into this, I have to stretch. I have to stretch for even longer. And then, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, then it turns into 15. All of a sudden you can like do 30 minutes and you're really enjoying it. And you're finding kind of the spots that really help you, um, kind of release any sort of muscle tension that's going on. And so yoga is really important because, it is different than strength training in so many ways. So some poses in yoga, of course, they they are strengthening, right? So there's squats that you can do in yoga and there's, uh, you know, standing in the lunges, all those things. But I think really what the benefits you're getting out of yoga is stretching the muscles and doing um, some like hip opening 
sort of exercises. So sometimes as runners, we get really stiff, we get really tight. And if we're able to like loosen up those muscles, um, it's going to help prevent injuries. It's going to help with range of motion. There are just a ton of benefits. And obviously as you age and as you get older, your flexibility starts to decline and so does your balance. And so balance is another thing that's huge. Um, the better that you are at balancing, um, the stronger your core is. There are just so many ways that everything is interconnected. Um, and then just even on top of that, right? Yoga has benefits because it's very meditational. Um, you focus on breathing, you focus on being in control. And so when you're holding those stretches and it's uncomfortable, um, it gives you a chance to kind of sit in discomfort and pain um, in a different way than you know running an interval. And so it gives you a chance to challenge yourself mentally to say, okay, I can do this. And, and coming up with positive mantras um, and that mind-body connection is huge. So tons of benefits there. And then I think we're going to go into more of like the fun ones that don't really require like a ton of energy. So I think strength training, nutrition, uh, yoga, they all require like energy expenditure on your p- part, like either planning or doing the thing where these other ones are just kind of more funzy, right? So talk to me a little bit about like foam rolling, massage, ice baths, Epsom salt baths. Are these important? How important are they? Yeah. Um, you know, with these, there's, there's been a lot of, um, I wouldn't say like conflicting research about whether or not they work, but there's definitely, um, some people out there who who really claim that you know doing a certain thing like this really helps them recover and feel better and you know if if that's what if that's kind of the mindset we have towards something then then by all means we might as well implement it and do it we used to do ice baths in college all the time um i've also spoke to you know my pt and other pts who kind of question like should you do that right after a hard workout we don't want to defeat the purpose of um you know, of what we just did. So it might actually be smarter to do like a warm bath instead. And so, you know, whether, whether or not you want to buy in all these, that's kind of up to you. I think it's, it's definitely okay to try them out. I know over the years we've experimented with everything. Like literally we've got the vibrating foam rollers. We got the roll recovery. We got the, the thing for your feet that you roll on. Um, we got the Norma Tech compression boots. We have compression sleeves and socks and, um, you know, the massages, the, the, um, what's the, um, the dry ice thing where you go in and stand, what are those called? The chirotherapy. Yeah. We've really tried it all. Um, and yeah, sometimes we, you know, we feel like we've tried CBD oil. That's another one that comes to mind. So, I mean, it literally is a never ending list, right. Of things that you can try. I think that, um, I definitely think foam rolling is good just because it helps kind of lengthen the muscle or it helps like break up tissue sometimes if you have adhesions forming. So that can be a good thing. Um, but the little things, you know, one other thing that you mentioned earlier I wanted to just bring up was the, you mentioned active release therapy. Mm-hmm. So when, what that is, is basically a, a technique that a PT um, would use. So they have to be certified in ART, active release therapy. Um, the reason we find that so beneficial for runners is that it, not only if we, you know, if we have a sore muscle or whatever, it's, it, it's a soft tissue injury. Sometimes we, it can be very alarming and we can, it can feel like we need to like take all this time off, right? Um, it might even scare us in thinking there's a stress fracture there, especially if it's like in the foot um, or lower leg, like around the shin area. But a lot of times it's not like a stress fracture. And um, it, it could just be like a soft tissue injury, like a tendon issue um, where the muscle is just really, really sore from overuse um, or from overcompensating in some way um, because of a lack of like strength. So by going to a, a specialist like that, who can not only like do t- deep tissue work, but also like an assisted stretch 
It can help retrain the muscle fibers um, to strengthen, and they can also give us exercises to perform. And I know you mentioned YouTubing things, and I do that all the time. I'll YouTube, like, if something's sore, I'll try to find a video for it or whatever. And, um, and basically, you know, what that, that's a, to me, that's a form of strengthening. So it's, it's not, you know, clearly defined as strength training, but you are still strengthening that area. So to me, that's what's important. Doing those little things, that's going to be what help, helps keep you healthy in the long run. Um, so I would definitely recommend, you know, if you live in an area where you're fortunate enough to establish a relationship with someone who's a PT that can help you, um, go to that person. Because if you go to like a general doctor, because something hurts, they're going to tell you to rest. And sometimes rest really doesn't help the issue. It's going to come back when you try to run again in two weeks. Um, we need to do these forms of like active recovery, active strengthening to help retrain the muscles so that it can handle this increased load that we're doing. So, um, yeah, I've, I've had you know, a fair amount of injuries over the years. Sometimes, you know, obviously if it's stress related, stress fracture or bone related, then rest is the only thing we can do. But um, nine times out of 10, there are other ways we can help try, try to treat these minor injuries as they occur. Right. Definitely. I think those were some really good points that you shared about active release therapy, all those things. Um, but those, all of those kind of, I mean, obviously there's a lot of benefits to the foam rolling, active release therapy, physical therapy, all those things. I think they kind of fall in like a different category. So, um, for runners, I think nutrition, yoga or stretching and, uh, strength training, like those should be a part of your routine always. Like it's like an always thing. They're very preventative. Whereas when you start talking about compression socks, um, active release therapy, massage, Theragun, Nordic boots, uh, all of those things like Epsom salt bath, icing. I think they're more on the, uh, like once you've kind of started to get hurt or you're in a state of fatigue and you're desperate, right? So for ART, it's more of you're not really going to go see an ART person unless you feel something flaring up. And so you might go a whole training cycle, you know, knock on wood if you're lucky, um, without ever having to go to an active release therapist. So it's not something that has to be a part of your, you know, weekly routine. Same with like a massage. Like you don't need massages in order, but if you are, you know, if something's really tight and you want to get work done, um, maybe you have like knots in your back or your calf or whatever, um, those things can be really helpful in getting you back to health and getting you back to feeling hundred percent. Um, or, you know, sometimes massages are really helpful, like mid training cycle when you're super fatigued and you're just like so desperate, you need a little pick me up. Um, a massage can really do wonders. And I think that also goes with the, the ice bath or the Epsom salt baths. I have taken maybe five ice baths in my life and they were all during times of desperation, I would say, right? So one of them was like after we were doing the goofy challenge where you do a half marathon and then a marathon the next day. I don't know why we did it. We were sore from this half kind of we just wanted our legs to feel better. And the only thing that we could think to do when you're in this hotel room is like, oh, what can we do? Okay, let's do an ice bath. And it's just, it's one of those things, whether it's placebo or not, whether it actually helps. I feel like it helped me, but it was only because of that moment of desperation where I was like, I'm willing to try anything, right? And I think that's where these other things kind of come into play. So if you're talking about the Theragun or you know the Nordic boots, I think those things are like, any little thing you can do to get that extra edge or to help you feel a little bit better. Um, 
whether it's a placebo or not, uh, there, that's just something that you can kind of add in as needed. So maybe you want to do an Epsom salt bath every single day, right? Or maybe you never want to do one. Um, I don't think it's really going to impact your performance outcome at the end of the day or, you know, your fitness level at all. It's more of like a rejuvenation thing. Um, so do you have any last minute advice for people who are trying to like juggle all of this? Cause I think, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up, really the only thing that we've really said you need to focus on is doing strength training twice a week for 20 minutes. So that's like 45 minutes for a whole week. And then yoga, what I said, like five times, like every day. So or five minutes every day. So that's like 30 minutes in a week. So really it was, we're talking about 75 additional minutes um, added on, plus obviously sleeping more and having good nutrition, which we could argue that that's probably the most time consuming thing there. Um, so when people are feeling really overwhelmed, do you think it's good to look at it and just say, okay, really, you're only talking about like an hour, an hour and a half more of time and is it worth it to maybe like cut back on mileage a little bit like five miles a week so that you have that extra hour to commit to the strength and the stretching i mean yeah i think it definitely is worth it um i would always um say do a little bit more less running and and more of the other areas especially you know it doesn't matter if you're in a training cycle or not i think if you practice these habits it's going to pay off for you in the long run um you know, and you, you mentioned a lot of these little things like the, the ice baths and the Epsom salts and stuff like that, the massage gun. Um, yeah, a, a lot of that is great for um, trying to help aid in recovery. Um, but the number one thing we can do that we know scientifically works is get more sleep. And I know I'm thinking back to, I listened to a podcast this summer um, with two expert coaches that coach, um, you know, division one, highly competitive college kids. And they did a study with their athletes, basically, um, they had a group that got 10 hours of sleep a night for a training cycle and then another group that got like six or seven. And what they found was the, the group that was getting 10 were, um, you know, their training was going much better. They were, they were recovered for workouts. Their performances were, were up and that sort of thing. And so I think that, you know, if you can, if you can get any extra sleep, that's going to be the number one thing that will kind of go a long way in your training um, and helping you in the future. Yeah, I definitely believe that. Uh, having gone through sleep deprivation uh, with uh you know, newborns before. It definitely impacts not only how you perform physically, but just like mentally, uh, it's exhausting. So if you're not getting the sleep, that can be probably the number one thing that you can do to really make a difference. And I think that's, that's good. That's why we talked about it kind of first on the podcast. So sleep is priority over training and over running for sure. Um, so yeah, I hope this was useful as people kind of navigate all of the little things and adding them into their schedule. If you have any questions or you ever want to work with a coach and have um, a training plan set up for you that's 100% custom to like your background and goals, we would love to have you on for a free seven-day trial. If you fill out the form on our website, www.runforprs.co, we can get you set up right away working with a coach. So thanks for tuning in.